Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. We are taking a one-month break from producing new episodes, so we are going to take the next month or so to revisit a few of our most popular episodes. We've got a back catalog of over 150 episodes, including the old Illuminate podcast episodes for all of you longtime listeners. So why are we taking a break for the next several weeks? Well, first of all, we're just trying to practice what we preach, and we're going to take good care of ourselves. We're pretty tired. We've been working really hard on an exciting major upgrade to the podcast, and we cannot wait to share it with you. But we need a few more weeks to get ready for this launch, and we want to do things in balance. Now, we do not want you to miss any of the upcoming announcements. So if you're not already subscribed to my weekly newsletter that I send out via email, then make sure you go to the show notes and click on the link there so you can sign up for it. Every single week, I write a personal message to everyone. I also share my latest relationship column, the latest podcast, and any announcements that are coming up. There's all kinds of great stuff in this weekly newsletter, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a thing. Okay, well, let's jump right in, and I hope you'll enjoy this episode from... I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I'm going to share part two of my interview with Hank Smith on trust in relationships. And if you didn't catch part one, like I always say, you've got to go back and listen to it because we got into some really important stuff and it was such a good interview. I wanted to slow it down and divide it into a couple of episodes. You're going to love it. It's really, really important stuff. And today, we're going to complete the interview and finish up the rest of the points. We take a few twists and turns, but it all comes back together into a great cohesive discussion about rebuilding trust, listening, relationships, and ways to be healthy. And it's just good, solid stuff. And so I hope you'll share it with people that you love. It's great stuff to, again, practice on your family members, your kids, your spouse, and uh, really elevate the quality of your relationships. And really quickly, I'll tell you a little bit about Hank Smith. If you haven't already listened to the previous episode, Hank is actually from St. George, where I live now. And uh, he has an MBA from Utah State University, a PhD in educational leadership from Brigham Young University. And he's actually an assistant professor of ancient scripture at BYU. And Hank is a podcaster, an author, a speaker, and has spoken to tens of thousands and probably more with his podcast every single year and just does such great work around the world with his messages. And he's just such a great storyteller and just really connects well with people. Just love his stuff. And so I'm excited to share with you this second part. And once again, I'll just say real quick, Hank had studied trust 
as part of his uh, doctoral dissertation for his PhD. And uh, when I discovered that he had done a lot of work on trust, naturally, I was very interested in having this discussion with him because this is clearly something that I, I work with all the time and love talking about and have built a course around and definitely want to deepen my understanding and share more information with you on this important process in relationships, especially broken relationships. Okay, let's dive into part two of my interview with Hank Smith. If somebody's looking at their relationship and they're on the side of, they're the person who broke the trust and where would you have them start? Where would you have them, if they're looking at their relationship going, man, I have totally blown this. Where? Yeah. Oh, there's so many places, but you know, I obviously need you to be reliable. We can't have another one of these. Okay. Right. We can't, <laughs> that's like step one is we've got to get some time under our belt of some pretty consistent behavior. You'd put that right? one at the so, front. Yeah. I just, let's, I, we just, oh man, we just cannot have another breach. Yeah. Right. And if we do, this is, just realize how dangerous that is. I realize Absolutely. that some people are, are different human beings. They have different weaknesses, but oh man, if we could, because <laughs> we're already damaged, we go down again, right? It's like I gave us a flat tire. And if you give us a second flat tire, we're going to, we're running out of tubes here, right? Like, so reliability is a big one for me. Okay. Like, let's, and I might, would agree. It, it's got to be time, right? Well, I haven't, you know, I haven't, I've gone a week. I've gone two weeks uh, without breaking trust. I know that's awesome. Let's get to months and years. And I know that can be frustrating for someone who wants it to go a little faster. But so that's a big one for me. The, the next one, compassion. So that's reliability. And of course, we talked about openness where, hey, look, I'm the one who broke trust. So my life's an open book to you. You can. You can look on my phone if you want to. You can look on my computer if you want to. You can know where I am when you want to know, right? Whenever you want to know. Here's, you know, I have Life360 on my phone. We don't use it to, to see where each other, are, you know, are all the time. But hey, maybe oh, someone you could. needs that. Yeah. 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 And then if I could teach someone any skill that I think would give them feed trust and moral authority, that's the ability to actually listen to someone else. So many of us think we're good listeners. In fact, when I started my research, I thought I was a pretty good listener and <laughs> found out I was a pretty abysmal listener. Right, um, right. Yeah. So I, in my research, I was finding all sorts of different types of listening from the worst type of listening, which is false listening, where your spouse thinks you're listening, but you're, oh, but you're not. Yeah. Right? Oh, geez. You're watching TV or you're on, you know, you're doing something <laughs> else and out your mouth is coming. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. And then, you know, you listen a lot like this. If you have a lot of conversations that say, we talked about this. No, we didn't. Right? Yeah. Yes, talk about did. an indicator. Was, Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about this yesterday. Yeah. I asked you and you said, yes. No, I never would have said yes. Must have been somebody else. <laughs> so that's the, that's the worst type of listening is false listening. And then you get into some negative type of listenings, which are, Selective listening, you've probably seen this a lot in low trust marriages. Selective listening is where I'm just listening for something I can beat you up with, right? For the next couple. So I'm just waiting for you to make a mistake. It's all, it's like very political listening. Like an attorney. Yeah, if you watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. I'm waiting for that one thing that I can hear and then I'll use that for, do you remember how you said, you know, this seven years ago? So it's very uh, yeah. selective listening. If you watch a presidential debate, They've been trained to listen to the other person, but they're listening for weapons, mm -hmm. right? They're looking for weaknesses. So that's selective listening, not that great listening. Then there's passive and casual listening where I'm kind of looking at my phone. I'm watching TV. I'm, you know, got my back to you and I'm kind of listening to you. 
and that's of course better than not listening at all. And it's of course better than trying to find weapons, right? But it's not great listening. And I've, I see a lot of people do this now because phones are just so, you know, they're just right there. I've got my watch. I got my phone. I got my TV. I mean, and so it's hard to really focus. Right, I can on be three it. places at once. It's amazing. Like, right. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> I call this, I call these wait what people because something will happen. They'll be looking at their phone. They'll say, wait, what? Oh, wait, man. what? That's what hilarious. You know, just, yeah. So wait, true. what? Yeah. So, <laughs> so if I could, you know, put your phone away and this goes for men and women. I've seen both with problems, oh, yeah. um, yep. right? Put your phone away. Don't even put it in your pocket. Because if that thing buzzes in your pocket, I know where your brain is. Your brain's now, what was that email? What's that text? Is, did so-and-so just get back to me? And I'm no longer listening. Then, so those are all kind of negative forms of listening. Not at, Some are not as negative as others. And then we get into positive forms of listening. I think right down the middle, probably the first form of good listening is where I'm listening for content. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I don't have any distractions and I'm just listening for information. I've noticed men in general, not all, of course, not across the board, but men in general are pretty good content listeners. When you say, Hey, please listen, they do it and they just get information. Right. They're taking right. orders. Where, right. When, yep. Mm-hmm. Where, when, what are we doing? What's the directions for, you know, go 50 yards and turn right, go, <laughs> you know, two miles, turn yep. left. Uh, give me the information. And oftentimes they're thinking, Again, this is just in general, men are thinking she's given me this information because she wants me to do something with it, right? When oftentimes she doesn't want you to do anything with the information. She just wants to connect. So that's content listening. And it's a good form of listening. It's not the best, but it's good. It'll get the job Um, done. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than being halfway on your phone and halfway, you know, kind of looking up what's that. Yeah. So a better form of listening, I've told people, just one step up from content listening is discriminative listening. Hmm. Discriminative listening means I'm listening for content, but I'm also listening for how content is given. Hmm. And <laughs> I have all sorts of you know funny things, uh, examples. I'll say, what if I, tonight I say, hey, Sarah, you want to go watch Iron Man 12, you know, whatever they're on. And she says something like, <sighs> sure. Right now, if I'm just a content listener, she said, sure. Right. right. But and I, I can prove it. it. Right. I've got the text message yeah. or I heard. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> said, sure. Right. But every woman in the room knows she just said no. Exactly. Right. She just said no. And that's discriminative listening. And so when I'm working with someone who's a content listener, but they need a discriminative listener, usually I say, well, you can get better at this. Just you got to be a little more mindful. Watch for those visual right. cues. Right. And then for someone who is who needs a discriminative listener but has a content listener, they need to get a, a work with them on saying, let's get a little bit better about saying how you actually feel, mm-hmm. right? Saying what you actually need. It's, it's the idea of like my wife and I are driving down the freeway and she said, hey, you want to stop and get a drink? And I say, no, I'm good. And then we pass by the exit and she said, why didn't we stop and get a drink? And I'm, well, I to- you asked me if I wanted a drink and I said, no, right? And what she meant was, I want to stop and get a drink. And so- that person can, can get better at saying what they actually feel. It's right. okay to to just say, yeah, can I stop and get a drink? And it's not, well, if he loved me, he would know. It's more like, no, he's not a woman, right? right. So you're just going to have to be clear on that. And again, this isn't always men, always women. Sometimes it, it's yeah. switched. But in general, men or women need discriminative listeners and what they get are content listeners. I remember my mom, we used to go over to the garbage and sniff it. <laughs> she had, Ugh, right? And- that meant take the trash out. But to me, it just meant like, come smell this, right? So I, <laughs> I would go over and smell it. 
And then she thought I was lazy. And I'm like, why do you think I'm lazy? Well, I asked you to take out the trash. No, you didn't. You just smelled it. Right. I didn't know that's what you wanted me to do. That's a great story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so discriminative listening, content listening, they're, they're so close to each other. We can help those who need discriminative listeners come down a little bit. We can help those who are content listeners come up a little bit. And usually those can meet in the middle. Now, if you want to have a lot of friends like Jeff, you become an active listener. Active listening is a step up from discriminative listening. Active listening is where I'm taking you. I'm going to send the message to my spouse or my child that you are valuable. And because you're so valuable, you are going to get my most valuable thing, my attention and time. And so I'm going to square my shoulders to you. My eyes are going to be on you. And I am just trying to just focus on yeah, what you're, you're the only me. person in the room. Right. Right. Exactly. This whole universe right now revolves around you. Yep. And, and it doesn't mean I'm going to go do something. It doesn't mean I'm going to fix you. It doesn't mean I'm going to fix your problem. You are the person I adore. And so you are going to get all my attention. I remember at a funeral of a friend, he said, the one thing I remember about my dad is when you would walk into his office and Jeff, this will make you feel guilty because it makes me feel guilty every time. She, he said, I would walk into his office and I'd say, hey, dad, he would get down on his knee, get right eye level with me and say, what can I do for you? What? Right? Like, That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I remember that because it made me feel so important. Oh, that's amazing. Right? The message was, I know it made me feel terrible sitting there and the, I'm like, well, everybody's really great at their funeral, right? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. But, um, yeah. But, I, I, but that kind of like come home from work, put my phone down and just, how was your day? And just here we go, 15, 20, 25 minutes. I'm just engrossed in what you're telling me. That to me is a gift mm -hmm. that you, it's a message you're sending to your, your family, even your coworkers, uh, you know, that you are important. And these people often become therapists mm -hmm. uh, because they're so good at just actively listening. And I know that therapists I know, Jeff, you have an incredible skill set, but I would guess that a lot of what you're doing is just listening to someone and then kind of validating how they feel, reflecting how they feel and having them say, yes, that's, you get it. That's how I feel. Yeah. So much of its right. presence, so much of it is just entering their world. And, and I'll tell you, one of, one of the, uh, I guess, job hazards of being a therapist is that sometimes that can be hard to do when you go home at night. People think that I just have this available to everybody all day long, but, but I, <laughs> a lot of energy. Yeah. That's my point is that when you're doing this for people, you will feel like you're giving something. I mean, I think they talk this in the scriptures, they talk, the savior talk about virtue leaving him or something like that. Right. Like there was right. yeah. like energy leaving, energy yeah. leaving us. Like there's something that we, we, we truly give the person a gift. We give them part of us to do this. And so if you feel like you don't have the energy to do it, that's okay. Be honest about yeah. it. But recognize that at some point you're going to need to prioritize some things so you can offer that because it will be a sacrifice. It will be something you offer. You know, the times and you can't do it for everyone. You cannot no. do it for everyone. And I can I, count I on one. It. Yeah, I can count on one hand yeah. the number of people in my life that I feel like have been able to show up and do this for me consistently. My wife is one of yeah. them. She's incredible at this. But it's so rare that I mean, we just don't have a lot of experiences with people who really do this. It's so. And so if you really want to build a deep connection with people you love, learning how to discipline yourself to do this and, and understand how to do this will really like literally change everything. It's amazing. Yeah. When I learned about it, I said, Sarah, I teach this stuff. 
we're going to have to practice. And we would actually yeah. just practice. I would yeah. say, okay, I'm going to practice listening for 15 minutes. And she say, what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> I'd say, I don't care. <laughs> I just got to practice this because right. I've got to somehow do this, right? Yeah. I've got to figure this out. And it's a skill and it does take a lot of energy to put aside your own agenda and put aside your own like automatic, hey, I, I have an experience like that. Or, hey, I can fix this for you. Or, hey, mm. right. Instead of, I'm just, I'm just going to be here. I'm just going to listen. I'm going to reflect back. And then maybe after that time is done, I'm going to say, okay, do you, do you need me to do anything? Is there anything I can do to help yeah. with this situation? And it might not, it might just be, no, I don't need, mm -hmm. I'm okay. I just, thanks for listening. Right. Thanks for hearing me out. I remember once, Jeff, you might find this funny, but I do, I'll do tours of the Holy Land, right? Do tours of Israel. And, uh -huh. and the people who come on the tours with me, I try to eat dinner with them at least once or lunch with just with their family that comes with them because we'll take, you know, 10 families or whatever on this tour. And there was this older couple and they'd been traveling, you know, had retired and were trying to do some traveling. And, and I was a, trying to be a good host, a good content listener. I was sitting across from the husband and he was telling me about the Red Sox for a good 10, 15 minutes. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm not interested in the Red Sox, but I'm trying to be a good content listener and <laughs> not look at my phone, right? Not, yep. Anyway, I, I look over about 15 minutes in and my wife and his wife are holding hand and they're both just crying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so stunned by that because my wife is like, like you said, you described your wife, just the even rudder. Here we go. Right. She's, I'm the one that's kind of up and down and she's yep. the one that's yep. steady. And I looked at her and they both looked at me at this moment. We all just kind of looked at each other and I was so stunned. I just said, Sarah, like, what are you, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> what just happened? You're making me, you're making me look bad here. <laughs> yeah, no right. Kidding. I looked at him going, I can't do that. I, I don't cry. I wish I could. Right. So anyway, I asked her after I said, I said, what was that about? Yeah. She said, Hank, she said, Hank, that woman is the best listener I've ever talked to. And I, for, I was kind of offended because I'm obviously yeah. the best listener right. she's ever talked she to. She knows right? the answer but, to that question. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, come on. How do you, uh, right. She just forgot. But I said, why? What happened? And this is what she said to me. And I want everybody, everybody listening, just, I get it. It's, this is a random stranger who was talking to my wife, but if we could do something like this for our wife and children, I think you'll feel this. So she said, well, it started out kind of, you know, content listening. Sarah and I had talked about different forms of listening uh -huh. many times through the dissertation phase. And she said, she asked me how many kids we have. Pretty common. Oh, how many kids do you guys have? Oh, we have five kids. Oh, uh, what are their ages? Uh, she said, oh, we have a girl who's 12. We have a, a boy who's nine, a, a boy who's five. And we have twin boys who are almost two. And the woman, of course, said, oh, wow, that's one girl, four boys, brand new twins. That's a lot of work. And my wife said, yeah, it actually is a lot of work. And you know, they kind of laughed about it for a second. And just casually, the woman said, oh, I bet you rely on your mom a lot. And my wife said, I must have kind of like just took a deep breath or gulped or something, you know, just oh, because my wife said, oh, and again, Sarah's pretty even. She just said, oh, I would. I absolutely would. But my, unfortunately, my mom passed away uh, about eight months ago when they were, they were about, you know, 10 months old. And hmm. now most of us, even our good active listeners would say, oh, I'm so sorry. Right. That's terrible. Which is like the right probably, thing to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's great. But she said, Hank, it was like I I kicked her. She just, she opened her mouth and said, oh no. Oh, Sarah, 
are you telling me that you're raising five kids and your mom's already gone? And my wife said, yeah. And she said, oh, I can see that you miss her. Oh my goodness. My wife, I know my wife said, yeah, I do. (sighs) And the woman said, and she kind of held her hands out and she said, you know, grab my hands. She said, Sarah, tell me about her. I want to know everything about your mom. And my wife said, wow, thanks for asking. And she's sharing all these stories about her mom. And, and (laughs) this is the, this is the part you might laugh at. She said, the woman, you know, as they're talking, they're both crying. And the woman said, oh, Sarah, do you have anyone like your mom that you can talk to? And they both looked at me (laughs) at that moment. I said, (laughs) Sarah, what are you doing? Right. (laughs) And, and my wife looked back at her. No, no, I have no one. <laughs> but I mean, that type of listening, I don't know, that's almost more than active listening. That's this form of compassionate listening. That that, is, uh, wow. That is so deep, that, so moving. Right. That someone feels so valued. I think my wife would have run through a wall for that woman and just known her for 10, 15 minutes because of that type of listening. So you asked me, you know, what would someone do? Well, I I need you to get a good, consistent reliability that we don't have another breach. I need you to to really, you know, be open with your life because you caused this breach of trust. And then this one's probably the big one. You've got to hear your spouse. Yeah. And not hear them, see them. There's this part in the Bible, Jeff, you you remember this. It's in the Gospel of Luke where a woman comes in to wash Jesus's feet and Mm -hmm. there's a man in there who's very judgmental, right? Uh, Simon the Pharisee, not Simon Peter, but Simon the Pharisee. And Jesus asked him a question. And I've read this many, many times, but just the other day I read it and I really think I saw something I'd never seen before. Jesus says to Simon the Pharisee, he said, do you see this woman? And I stopped at that question for a second. And I looked at that word, do you see her, right? Do you see her? Most of the time I thought he was just saying, hey, do you see this woman? Which seems like an obvious question. Yeah. Yeah, she's right here. But I think what maybe Jesus is saying there, or maybe I'm reading into it, is do you really see her? Yeah. Right. I know you notice her. Obviously, she's in the room. You say, but do you see her? Because I don't think she feels seen. Wow. <laughs> and I'm going to help her feel seen. And so with our spouse, it's that idea of I'm going to really just try to really get behind your eyes into your mind and heart and see the world the way you see it. If man, if you have two spouses doing that for each other, to me that's unstoppable. Right, and and when I mean, th- as you're listening to this, my listeners, like, think about: Have you ever felt seen by somebody? Like, yeah. you know, like Hank, like your wife, like that experience where, with with just one one really meaningful response, where where this woman saw saw her saw her so deeply, whether she had lost her own mother or whether she, I mean, something. Yes, yeah, something. Uh, right. We don't know, but my goodness, she was able to get in there right out there. And when you, uh, it changes you. Like I'm thinking back on a few people in my life who I really felt like saw me, really saw me. Yeah. And whether it was a critical moment or just in general saw me, man, you just, like you said, you, you would run through a wall for those people, like the, like your loyalty, your love, your desire to be close to them, to have more interactions with them. No. It's just, you almost can't help yourself. It's like, we just crave that so badly to be seen. And my goodness, our kids need this, you know, the most. Yeah. But yeah, it's tough in the 21st century with, with so many things pulling our attention. I mean, that's the casualty is our attention. It's hard. Yeah. And I think people listening might think, oh, you know, it must be awesome being married to Jeff or Hank. I wish my husband, I, I listen, I teach this stuff. 
I study it, but practicing it is just as hard. Yeah. None of us get a free pass on this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when oftentimes if I present in front of my wife, I can see her there going, hmm, yeah, wow, that's really good information. Yeah. I've we stopped inviting my wife, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we should try that in our own marriage. Uh, yeah. Yes, no. Yes. I'm working on it. You know. Yeah, exactly. People often think, oh. Jody, you're so lucky you're married to a marriage therapist. Must be so amazing. And she says, no, Jeff's had to learn it like everybody else. In fact, right. you know, if anything, I often joke that I know exactly what I'm doing wrong when I'm doing it. That's the difference. <laughs> That's a, I'm going to use that. I'm watching oh, myself right. act like exactly the way I shouldn't be acting. And I'm like, oh, oh seriously. I, get, yep. I have so. orchestra seats to my own immaturity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. So yeah, yeah, it's practice. And so yeah, all of you are in good company. We're not sitting up here on our high horse spouting these things off. This is stuff that we're actively practicing in the trenches because, you know, we have kids who don't, who need to feel these things from their parents, right? We have spouses who yep. need, you know, we're not outsourcing this stuff. It's stuff that we have to do ourselves and we invite you to do the same thing. And so whether you're on the betrayed side or the the betrayer side, or you're just trying to build a healthy relationship with someone you love, these principles, to me, they're just, they just bear repeating. They just are things we have to keep coming back to. Tape them on your mirror, come back to them. They're, they're just, they just require a lot of diligence, a lot of intentionality and practice. Yeah. And again, I know, Hank, like we include ourselves in that. This is not something yeah. that you just learn once or that you just can like get a degree in and be good at forever. And there'll be missteps with it. So we ha- at least we have something we can yeah. come back to. Yeah, I I think uh, that's exactly right. Everybody, the beautiful thing, the worst part of life and the best part of life is that we have our choices. Yeah. Right. And our choices have done the most damage, of course, in everybody's marriage. Damage has been done. It's been the result, most likely, of someone's choice. Yeah. Yeah. But the most, the best, most beautiful parts of marriage are also from people's choices. Mm, uh, love that. Choices. So, yeah, it's our, it's in our hands. And, uh, oh, I just, when you talked about those marriages where someone is trying so hard and they're not getting anything back, my heart just goes out. Yeah. Oh. Yep. And, you know, I've, I've just worked with so many earnest, sincere people that have really, truly given it everything they've got and they can feel like such failures and they can feel like they should have done something else. And I think that's human nature. We believe, we yeah. want to know we can influence and, and affect our, our outcomes. And, and because it's choices and because we're dealing with people, we have to honor and respect that it's a joint operation to make it work. So yep. like I said, if you've got someone who's working with you and they're actively working in some sort of a, a healing process, recovery process, yeah, then I always encourage people to stay with it and keep working as long as it's safe and, and it stays respectful and, and it's, you know, it's not high risk all the time. But uh, if the alternative is the case, then you have to have a different conversation. And that's, that's a very yep. sacred, private, personal thing that you have to tread very carefully and, and be wise about you know, who counsels you, who works with you on that, because I believe very strongly that, you know, if you need to make a a big decision or a dramatic decision like that, it's something that really truly only you're going to know. That's been my experience. It's not a committee decision. It's not something that anybody else gets to weigh in on. So Hank, we've covered a lot of ground here. Was there something else you were going to say there? Well, I was just going to add, I came from a home that was just, we just had a lot of what would you call them? Just bad communication styles. Yeah. Just, I came from a home that was just a difficult place. We survived as kids. We survived. And our, my parents were doing the best they could, both children of alcoholics. But my siblings and I picked up a lot of bad 
habits yep. when it came to relationships. Yeah. Well, then I bring all of those into my marriage and I think I'm fine, right? This is the only language I've ever spoken. So I come into this marriage and my wife came from a, a very healthy home where, you know, the practices were what you would hope. Yeah. Uh, and and these two worlds collide. And at first, we just kind of worked through it. You know, those first five years, you just kind of work through it. And then somewhere around year three, four or five, someone says, okay, I've, I've got to know, like, I've got to come into your laundry room and help you clean up. Like, <laughs> right? You, let me know. You got to tell me what's going on here. And so I remember that moment. And it was one of those moments in my life where I had to decide if I was willing to, to change, right? If I was willing to change. And it took my wife saying, you know, I don't, we never got to the idea of her, like, I'm out of this boat unless you change. Yeah. But it did take her sitting me down and she said, listen, hey, you've come into this with a lot of just baggage. Yep. And that's okay. That's yep. okay. I love you. I love you. I love your baggage, but you've got to be willing to fix it. Mm -hmm. You've got to be willing to fix it. And I kind of woke up and went, you know what? You're right. And that's the point where she was okay she was a great example to me of someone who said, listen, as long as you're willing to work, I'm on board. Yeah. I am with you. So, and it did take her saying that. So as you're talking about, you know, someone who's in that position and, you know, every marriage, of course, is so different. So it's impossible to make generalizations, but, you know, it's okay to say to your spouse, listen, you come into this with a lot of yep. baggage. I love you. I'm with you, but you've got to be willing to work on this. Yep. Right. You've got to be willing to go yeah. talk to people like Jeff and say, let's figure this out. If you're willing to do that, I'm in. I am in. Totally. Right. But yeah. I imagine your wife is fast forwarding down the road and going like, mm, doing the math here. This is not sustainable. Yeah. Right. This is not going to work long term. And so I'm not pulling the plug today, but I don't want to have to have that conversation 10 years from now. It's exactly right. Right. And so, yep. and so that I just believe, man, the second that you start to sniff out patterns and things that are just, I encourage people to trust their gut on that, trust the spirit, trust their feelings, trust, you know, what they're observing and say, yeah, I'm going to say something now. I'm not just going to cross my fingers and hope and trust in people's good nature. Like sometimes patterns are patterns. And like you said, reflexes are reflexes. People come in. Yeah, I knew nothing else. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The modeling, yeah. the examples and yeah. No, I, it's funny, Hank. I, I had a very similar experience in my marriage as well, where you know my wife and I had a similar conversation about patterns that I had brought in, and and it was very much like you know we really need to take a, a hard look at this. And those, I mean, I can remember exactly where I was sitting, what we were talking about. I yeah. mean, it's just one of those <laughs> turning point moments where you're like, huh, you know, you think you know what you're doing, and it's like the John Mayer lyric right, where he says, "You can be wrong and swear you're right." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. And I just think if you've got someone who loves you enough to sit down and say, you know, well, let's take a really hard look at this, that openness, like we've been talking about today, that's going to be critical. That's going to be critical. Yep. And that has been a huge blessing in my marriage are these conversations. And they do, they take a lot of courage to yep. face and so on. But one thing that I have just come to over 25 years of marriage is this my wife has never. And I literally mean this. I mean, you, we over-exaggerate that word a lot, but like my wife has never, ever asked for or suggested something in my marriage that has been bad for our marriage. Not once. And so I trust that. I have such a high level of trust where she says, I need this, or let's think about this, or let's look at this, or have you noticed this? And if I start to get defensive or I start to believe that maybe she's up in the night about this or whatever, I come back to her track record and her it's track like, record. man, all she wants is something healthy. I can trust that. And so- 
if you have a partner who's had a good track record, if you, you know, if you're listening to this, you're like, yeah, this person's put up with a lot of, they've been, you know, they've been all in. Yeah. I would encourage you to slow down and listen to what they're saying. It's, you know, most people aren't trying to dismantle something or trying to. Right. <laughs> she was, she really wanted to help me break exactly. some of these patterns. Totally. So my kids don't pass them on to their family. Absolutely. Right? She said, and she was, it was truly, it was an act of love. And I pushed back for a little bit. Sure. I said, no, I think I know what I'm doing. It was almost like she said, <laughs> it was, we've joked about it after where she said, it's almost like you thought you were speaking Spanish. I knew Spanish. I was just covering you for you for a couple of years because I'm like, well, maybe he'll figure it out. And then I finally sat him down and said, listen, you don't know you Spanish. And I was like, I, yes, I do. I do too. You're the one who doesn't know Spanish. Right. And she said, okay, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Right. But, and I finally was opening uh, up the idea that someone had taught me wrong. Yeah. I had been taught wrong. Right. And what I thought was right, I was sure was right, was actually the wrong way to go. And wow. A whole new world opened to me of, I have a lot of growing to do. And I really had to start over in some things. I really had to say, you know what? I got to relearn how to listen, how to build relationships, how to respond to people. I've got to relearn a lot of things. And, oh man, if there's anybody out there listening who's going, ah, she's just, why am I the one that's, you know, the one that's got to be fixed all the time, right? Why am I the one that's yep. kind of lower that guard a little bit and Maybe God sent this person into your life because you're the one that needs yeah. that correction. And they're the angel that offers it to you. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that perspective. I love that perspective because we all need to learn how to do healthy relationships. Some people, some people have, you know, just had that modeled and had experiences with it and just do right. it reflexively. I don't believe that's most people, by the way. Yeah. I think that traditions get passed down intergenerationally and patterns, culturally familial and other groups. And it's, you know, we have to unlearn a lot of things, yeah. but I'm, I am grateful that, that there are people who have the courage to speak up and ask for those things. And thankfully there's just good information. We know a lot about it. There's no excuse to not learn how to be in a healthy relationship or be a healthy person. Like we just know so much about it. Yeah. So yeah. And, and, I, got, yeah. I got to tell you one more story. I, yeah, go ahead. I hope if I'm, you can just cut this out of the podcast if you need to, but <laughs> probably won't. One of the, there was one of these interesting moments where we're walking home from a, a date. We'd gone out with our good friends, Lynn and Haley, who we always go out with. And my wife said, she said, can I tell you something? And I said, sure. And she said, promise you won't get mad. I said, well, no, I yeah, mean, I can't promise that, I can't but promise that. And she said, well, then I don't think I want to tell you. And I said, well, that's not very fair. Okay, I promise I won't get mad. And she said, Oh, that was too casual. I don't believe you. <laughs> and she said, We kind of went back and forth. And it was it was kind of joking, but part of me was like, What's she gonna tell me? Like, what does she have that I would be so upset at? So we're talking and she finally said, Okay, if you get mad, I'm gonna tell you because I think I need to tell you, but if you get mad, I'm gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna spend like five hundred dollars tomorrow. I'm gonna burn it because <laughs> you know, I was, I was okay, 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 a deal, deal, right? Whatever it is, I wanna know. And she we stopped. I remember exactly where we were. <laughs> we were on the sidewalk and she rubbed my arms, my shoulders. I'm like, oh no, right? That's a prep moment where yeah. she rubs your arms and shoulders saying, <laughs> hey, I love you no matter what comes out of my mouth right now. Uh, and, and Jeff, she just said, Hank, oh, sweetheart, you are a terrible eater. Uh, <laughs> and I said, what? I said, what? 
that's not what I expected, right? I was expecting her to say something like, I'm in love with our neighbor or, right? And I was, I said, what? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. She said, yeah. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, <laughs> she said, well, you, have you noticed that you're the first one done, but you've done most of the talking? I'm like, well, people are just slow. She's like, no, they're watching. Oh my God. <laughs> she said, have you noticed that there's food off your plate by the time we're done? I'm like, yeah, isn't that everybody? She's like, no, no, maybe, <laughs> maybe one thing falls off someone's plate. You've got, like you pick, you can see where the plate was. It's like a debris field, up, right? right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she said, she said, tonight I decided to tell you because here we are with our best friends and they both kind of looked at each other like, wow, look at him go, right? And she said, and I just decided I got to tell him. Yep. And, you know, at first I was really defensive. I'm like, you're just jealous, right? Like, and then it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I'm like, oh, why, why is she telling me this? Yeah. And all of a sudden I realized she's telling me because she loves me. Right. And it's not a huge deal, but she thinks, man, what if he goes out to, you know, Jeff says, hey, come speak for our marriage conference. Let's go to lunch and talk about it. And then by the end, Jeff's like, hey, I'll call you, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we want Jabba the Hutt coming That's with right. us to our marriage conference. And she said, I just, I want to help you. And I, you know, I lived in a home where it was all, it was a free for all yeah. dinner. There Every was man no for himself. Manners yeah. taught. Yeah. You yep. just grabbed as much as you could and you talked and you ate as fast as you could and you were out of there. And, and so she helped me learn yeah. how to properly eat a dinner in company. I know it sounds weird, but my wife helped me learn how to eat properly eat a dinner in company. And now I'm pretty good at it. I use both utensils. I wasn't using that before. <laughs> You've stopped using your shirt as a napkin, right? Yeah, I was using my hand to <laughs> scoop things onto the to the fork, right? Anyway, it's just as it's an example of what we're talking about here. Yeah. This person loves you. This person loves you and wants to help you. Right. So let them help you. Right. Right. Oh my so goodness. So anyway, I, I don't know if that was I love or that. Not, but. That's a great story. <laughs> well, and it's yeah, it's it's definitely not a loaded example, right? So I mean but when you're on the receiving end of that, you can feel so embarrassed and so small yes. and you can feel so stupid. I mean, it just, but also I want to flip this around and point out the fact that she also had to have tremendous courage oh, and yeah. really probably had been thinking about this probably since you were dating, right? Oh, by far. I mean, by far. She told me, she said, I just, I love you and I don't care right. how you eat. I love you, but I want to help you not right. have people that, you know, this massive blind spot where people are kind of noticing something you're not noticing and that's not fair to you. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. It was, she, it's a funny example. <laughs> it is, it is. And I, and yeah, and, and again, it reminds me of uh, something I learned from Sue Johnson years ago when I did some training with her. She says, you know, every, generally when somebody is coming to you in a relationship and asking for something, they're doing it because they want to feel closer to you. They want to feel connected to you, whether it's a protest or frustration or feedback or something they're trying to, and you know, this mm -hmm. thing maybe for her wasn't getting in the way of your relationship. She was obviously looking out for you, but I'm sure other things she's brought up in the way you, you respond or the things my wife has brought up to me in terms of the way I show up or, you know, all the different things that we've talked about over the years. It's all about trying to feel close to somebody. I don't think people, I mean, there might be an occasional sociopath out there who just wants to like tear somebody down, but most of the time in our close intimate relationships, we're just trying to get stuff out of the way right. so we can get close. Yeah, that's exactly that's a lot right. Of, she wanted she awesome. wanted what was best for that's me. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, 
Hank, if we're ever eating dinner together, I'm going to pay close attention. I know. I'll tell you what. I hate telling that story because everybody (laughs) watches now. I do. We practice, actually. Yeah. She says, okay, let's practice. You've got a big dinner. You've got a big, you know, lunch tomorrow. Let's practice. (laughs) Did she send you? And text me just before. Right. She sends you away to finishing school for the summer so you can... Learn what napkin, where to put your napkin and what fork that to use. Exa- yeah. Oh man, I I had some bad skills coming in, I'll tell you. Just some- <laughs> yeah, we could probably fill an entire episode with uh, all the embarrassing things my wife has had to point out that I have to like, okay, I'm not supposed to do that. Oh my goodness. Okay. I know. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It's, I. It's- I tell you, I remember reading one time that somebody said marriage is our last chance to grow up, you know, <laughs> I just think. That's exactly right. And, and that's in a lot of areas, not just in manners for sure. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> Hank, this has been fun. I love talking about this stuff and I love talking to you and I'm grateful that, that you know, you, uh, you took your wife's feedback three or four years into marriage and decided to care about relationships and, and doing things differently because you've certainly blessed a yep. lot of people's lives and, and it's just a real joy to spend some time with you. So. Thank you for your research as well on this stuff. I mean, it really does clarify it and put a nice lens on it so that people can have actionable things to do when they're trying to rebuild something at what can feel so vague as rebuilding trust. It can feel so invisible and confusing, but right. I think you've, you know, you've clarified a lot of areas that I think can give people actionable things to do. Right. They can say, hey, I, I know I, we have a game plan. Yep, exactly. Right, and we yeah, need that because relationships can be overwhelming for sure. Yeah. And then have me on anytime, Jeff, if, you, if your listeners liked it, have them tell you. And you guys yeah. let Jeff know if you liked me coming on, we'll do it again. I've got another 27 hours of content from a dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to share. No, that'd be great. Yeah, I would love to hear from people. And I'll put I'll put links to all the great stuff you've done and produced and in the show notes so everybody can find you. And be- I love following you on Instagram and, and some of the great things you share. And uh, you've also, I mean, you've shared a lot of uplifting stuff. And I've also noticed that you've shared some stuff around boundaries and other really hard hitting stuff that yeah. sometimes... You know, you read that stuff and you're like, oh, wow, you know, Mr. Positive Guy, Hank Smith, he's over there sharing stuff about like cutting people off. Wow. Like, yeah. but, but we need to understand how to be safe and protect ourselves. And so, yeah, that comes from people telling me, you know, I teach the New Testament yeah. as my employment and people would tell me that, you know, things are not very Christ-like. Oh, my I'm goodness. Going, that guy was not. so boundaried. Yeah, he had really <laughs> firm boundaries he did. and he let people know That's right. when they'd cross them. And I, so that kind of started from that conversation cool. of, well, I think you, someone should be more Christ-like. I'm going, wow, if you really want to know what he did, then I'll show you. Yeah, we got to right? be. This is a book I've studied. I'll show you what he did. Yeah, I got to redefine yeah. what that even means. Exactly. People it's associate exactly right. that being a doormat. It's just not the truth. He was not that way. Yeah. No, no, I love that. So yeah, I hope you'll follow Hank on Instagram and, and just keep up with what he's doing because it's so helpful. It's, it's really, really good stuff. So Hank, thank you. Sure love talking yep. to you. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I loved it. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to tune in next week where we will have another interview for you from our 150 plus episode archives. We look forward to being back with you with new episodes very soon. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can stay updated on any upcoming announcements. So go ahead and click on that link in the show notes so you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. We want to stay in touch with you, keep you connected and let you know all the great things that are happening over here. Thanks so much every single week for listening. We love having you here and we look forward to connecting with you in the next episode.